All right, well, I said I want to talk on choices. I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. And we talked about having some faith goals. Let me tell you, I've got some real faith goals for my life in 2024. I've already got a pretty good idea what the theme for 24 is gonna be for Wave Church. I, every year the Bible says in Psalm, I think it's 86, that Lord, you have crowned the year. And I think every year we can frame a year as to what I think what the Lord wants us to lean into as a church. So I'll share that with you next week. I'll also share an update on where we're up to with our Legacy 24. I just got to say, church, one more time, you are the most generous, amazing church in all the world. I love pastoring you. I love being down in Orlando with all the cheerleaders. It was the most stressful thing, watching all these kids compete. And my granddaughter was one of them. And I didn't realize, just, I'm like, I'm more nervous than the cheerleaders. And then this wonderful thing happened. The president of the National Cheerleading Association uh, asked me after he gave one of the clearest gospel messages I've ever heard, because this is an outreach. There's, you know, even in wave cheer, I don't know what the percentages are, but I think maybe it might be 50-50 as to who's in wave church so far versus who's not. They're a part of wave cheer. And, uh, and so he gave one of the clearest gospel messages before they gave out the award ceremony. Um, and, and, all, and then had me pray. And there was probably, I don't know, I think 5,000 people in the room. And then there was another one happening afterwards with 6,500 people in the room. And uh, he asked me to meet him out back, but he was late getting out there. And so I was with Miss America out back and a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. And we're all just chatting there and texting Sharon, hey, hon, I'm good. I'm here with Miss America at a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Everything's fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was a little nervous to tell you the truth. All right. So, but I'm really thinking about just us as a church and thinking about, you know, when we make New Year's resolutions, how many, be honest with me now, how many have made a New Year's resolution and you didn't keep it? Can I just see your hand? Okay. Now, don't let that discourage you because without that vision, People perish and you perish. And just because you don't get there on your first attempt doesn't mean you can't get there. My mother determined that she was going to give up smoking when she became a Christian. She was a chain smoker her whole life. For as long as I've known her, from the moment she woke up in the morning to the moment she went to sleep every night, she smoked. And then in her, was it in her 50s? She decided that she was going to quit smoking. And I used to catch her. She would cheat. I go, Mom, you smell the cigarettes. No, no. I go, Mom, come on, tell me, you're cheating. You're, you're having another. She goes, yeah. But you know what my mother never did? She never quit quitting. Did you hear that? She never quit quitting. And eventually she broke that thing off of her life. Just from a financial reason alone, there's enough reason to stop smoking. It is expensive beyond, my brother asked me if I would bring him a carton of cigarettes from America because apparently they're so cheaper here in America than you can bring to Australia. And I had conflict as to whether I even wanted to contribute to my brother's lack of health. But when I found out how much it cost, which is cheaper here in the United States um, to buy a carton of cigarettes, I said, buddy, I love you, but I ain't spending that much money on something that's gonna kill you. So you go kill yourself, praise the Lord. My mother never 
quit it, quitting, and she eventually got free of that. And I believe she lived longer because of it and gave her more fruitful and effective ministry life. And she helped more people because of that decision. I don't know what it is that you're doing today, but I want to encourage you to go beyond just making a New Year's resolution. I want you to know the power that God has given us, and that's the power of choice. And I believe it's choices that we make will determine whether we accomplish any of those New Year's resolutions. Can you say amen? Write this thought down. This is my big thought for the morning. You ready for this? Everybody has the freedom of choice, but nobody has the freedom of consequences. We all have the freedom of choice. You can choose to do whatever you want to do. You can rob a bank. You can take drugs. You can shoot heroin up your arm. You can cheat on your spouse. You will have the freedom of choice. But none of us are free from the consequences of our choices. I believe the choices we make will determine the quality of our lives. Amen. And I want to encourage this today as we go into this thought. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30 and look what the Bible says in verse 11. And I'm reading from the NIV. Praise the Lord. Now, what I'm commanding you today. So I want you to start by understanding God is giving us a command. Can you see this? Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you. It is not beyond your reach. It is not, listen to all the things it isn't. It's not too hard. It's not too difficult. It's not beyond your reach. It's not in heaven. So you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea. Another translation says in the depths of hell. In other words, it's not in heaven. It's not in hell. It's not too hard. It's not beyond your reach. It's not too difficult. Nor is it in the depths of the sea. You have to ask who will cross the sea, get it and proclaim it so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. Now there's a message I've preached many times about the word is in your mouth and it is in your heart. It is very near. Can everybody say it is very near? So God is saying, it's not too hard. Who's ever said, Lord, this is too hard? It's too much. You're asking too much. Like, for instance, tithing, the start of a new year. Oh, God, that's too hard. You really want me to give 10%? That's too hard. God says, it's not that hard. Oh, that was very quiet. It's not that hard. Giving, generosity, maybe serving. Some people are swerving, but God wants us serving. Amen. It's not too hard. It's not beyond your reach. And, and he's not tormenting you, which is what he's trying to say, dangling a carrot that you can never grasp it. He's saying it's not beyond your reach. You can do this. Everybody got this? I've been around cheerleaders. You can do it. You can do it. My God, I've been around cheerleaders. And, and, and he's saying it's, it's not in heaven. Because some of us have a wrong theology of sovereignty. Some of us go, well, if the Lord wanted me to be healed, He'll do it. Well, there's things we can do to help along the way. Amen. So if we just go, well, we're, Lord, we're praying for revival. Lord, we're praying for, we're just believing for revival. And we just think it's all God. 
And we're just waiting for God to do everything. God's going, it's not in heaven. It's not all up to me. I'm giving you a command today. It's not too hard. It's not too difficult. It's not in heaven. It's not all me. You've got something to do with this. You play a part. Amen? You catching this? So we have this poor theology of sovereignty. If God wanted me to have it, he will give it to me. For instance, people think about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, a heavenly language. Well, if the Lord wants me to have it, the Lord will give it to me. Well, you got to seek for it. you got to ask for it. you got to knock for it. you got to desire it. Amen? you got to put yourself in a faith environment where people can pray over you. You can't just go, if the Lord wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. God is saying it's not all up to him. Ooh, it's very quiet. Uh, my favorite illustration of this, this point is this. Imagine when, when Moses, he's taken all the children of Israel out of Egypt, three million of them. Who wants to, I just saw, I don't know, I mean, this hotel we stayed at was full of all the cheerleading, 1,500 rooms, every one of them were cheerleaders. It was a nightmare getting on elevators. <laughs> I mean, dear God, I can't imagine three million people. And Moses is at the Red Sea. You ready for this? And Moses goes, and, and here comes Pharaoh and all the Egyptians walking like an Egyptian. And they're coming after Moses and all the Israelites. And there's nowhere he can go because here comes Pharaoh. And the only way forward is the Red Sea. But there's a sea. He's got three million people. So what does Moses do? Listen, he stands there and he calls out to God. As you would. God, you're the one that brought the frogs, the locusts, the plagues, the boils, the angel of death. And now I'm standing here and there's no way forward. So what do you do? You talk to God. Right? And I imagine Moses, this is too hard. This is too difficult. Lord, it's all up to you now. And Moses says, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Here comes Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And God says, why are you standing here talking to me? If you're talking to God, what are you doing? Hello. It's not a trick question. If you're talking to God, what are you doing? You're praying. And God says, stop praying. Tell the people to move on. See, sometimes there's got to be some action. And Moses goes, but Lord, do you not see the sea? And the Lord says, tell the people to move on. Throw down your staff. Do something. It's not all prayer. You got to do something. You got to put some action into this. There's a time to pray and there's a time to stop praying and do and be the prayer and be the answer to the prayer. Come on, somebody give God some praise. It's not in heaven. We're waiting for revival. We think it's all in heaven. No, and it's not in hell. So this is what the Christian motto is. Let's blame the devil for everything. Well, if it's not God, there must be the devil. Old MacDonald had a demon. I mean, some people are so demon conscious. 
I mean, I just, I marvel at, at how people are so, they love the, oh, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that, and the enemy did this. And I'm thinking, you're an expert on demonology, but you might want to get a little bit more understanding of what it is to have Christ in you, the hope of glory, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I say to some people, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm okay under the circumstances. What are you doing under the circumstances? Oh, the devil is attacking me. It's been hard. I got to tell you, God's going, it's not too hard. It's not beyond your reach. It's not too difficult. It's not all in heaven. And it's not all in hell. We go, if in doubt, cast it out. We go, oh, Pastor Steve, would you pray for me? I've got a spirit of anger. No, you've got unresolved emotional issues and you need to renew your mind and stop blaming the devil for something you just need to deal with the flesh area. Amen? True story. Someone came up to me and said, Steve, I'm addicted to chocolate. Would you please pray for me for the spirit of Hershey's to come out of me? They honestly meant it. Deliverance can be a cop-out for repentance. Amen? So we'll blame the devil for everything. So God's gone, no, no. And we think, well, the devil's holding it back. Come on, somebody. We blame the devil. So look, let's come down to verse 15. See, I have set before you today, watch this, life and prosperity. God has set, and I think it's interesting, on the first Sunday of a new year. I have set before you today. I believe this is a now word for us as a church. I have set before you today life and prosperity, look, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, walk in obedience to Him, keep His commands, decrees, and laws, then you will live and increase. When? Then. And it says, and the Lord will bless you into the land that you are entering to possess. But if you turn your hearts away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and listen to too much television and media and political opinions as to one, why one thing's more demonic than the other, then I declare you this day, you will certainly be destroyed. You will not leave long in the land that you are crossing to the Jordan and to possess the goals that you wrote down for 2024. Today, this day, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. And just in case, hold that up, hold that up, don't take it down. Just in case you don't know which one to choose. Just in case you got some misguided theology. Just in case you're thinking God doesn't want you to be blessed. Just in case somehow you've got your theology warped and you think it's something spiritual about being poor. Just in case you think there's a curse on you that I brought. If you don't know the answer, I'm going to give you the answer because it's not too hard. Now choose life. I love God. 
so that you may live and your children may live. You may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God sets before us life and death, life and prosperity, death and destruction. And he's saying, today I'm holding heaven and earth as witnesses. Look, you know what God's saying? I give you the power of choice. You choose. Don't blame me. Don't blame the devil. I'm giving you the power of a choice. Well, I didn't choose this health. No, but you chose your diet. Maybe your diet has nothing to do with your health and you are dealing with a sickness and you're fighting the fight of your life. Well, then we choose blessing and healing. Come on, we choose prayer. We choose faith. We choose the goodness of God. You say, I didn't choose this marriage. It's, it's sad and it's sorry. It's hard. No, but you chose the way you speak to your spouse. You'll never change. You always do that. I can't forgive you. Do you see what this is playing out here? Stop looking to God. Stop blaming the devil and understand God gave us the power of choice. I think that's worth giving the Lord a hand. I'm in for all New Year's resolutions. I'm in for them. I haven't kept all of them. By the grace of God, I've kept one I made two years ago and I'm in the gym and today I can hardly walk because I... I got a little excited in the gym down in Florida and I wished I didn't, praise the Lord. <laughs> but how do we get them to stick? It's by our choices. So write down these thoughts. I got a couple of thoughts for you this morning and then I'm gonna close. Okay, first thought. When I shared this thought probably about 10, 15 years ago, one of the guys who I have profound respect for, he's a gym, uh, owns a gym, He's one of the best shaped guys I've ever seen in my life, strong. And I, I made this comment. He so loved the comment. He literally asked me, would I be okay if he got a tattoo of that across his arm? I said, dude, tattoo away. I don't mind. I don't know that I have the copyright to the thought, but it is a thought that desire is proven in pursuit. Don't tell me what your desires are. All I have to do is see what you pursue. I want a better marriage. I really want to have more money. I want to have a great family. I want to get promoted. You want to get promoted? Can you get to work on time? Have you ever been to a marriage seminar? I want to be a leader. Are you serving anywhere? Desire, I want to be healthier. Well, where are you spending your time? How are you spending your time? Come on. What you eat. How you value time. What you read. Desire is proven in pursuit. 
I'll show you what your real desires are by looking at how you spend your time and where you spend your time and who you're spending your time with. You see, my friends, you can have all the most wonderful. The Bible talks about the sluggard. I love him. He goes, he covets. Oh, he covets greedily, the Bible says, all day long. Yet he refuses to bring his hand to his mouth. There's no pursuit. There's no follow-through. You can have all the desires in the world, but the true nature of your desires is evidenced by what you chase after. Come on, somebody say amen. I love God's house. So where am I every Sunday? I'm in his house. Can you say amen? Show me where you're, what you're pursuing. Amen? I love the Lord. Well, again, we're putting this out there at the beginning of a new year, deliberately, just challenging people to get on the bus of tithing because you say, I want to be blessed. Well, if you ain't tithing, I love God, I trust God. Well, then trust him with your money. Come on, somebody. It's very quiet in here this morning. I want to encourage us. Desire is proven in pursuit. Second thought is this. These are just thoughts about choices. Over my life and ministry years, these are things that I really feel like are great wisdom from the Word of God. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I love that. Listen to what it says. I think we may have the verse for it. Proverbs 23 Oh, there's the words. There we are. Praise the Lord. As a man, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you know what that's telling me? That you and I are the product of our thought life. You don't need a prophet to declare your future. Talk to a few wonderful Christians down in Florida. Boy, a couple of them, hey, have you got a word for me? Yeah, I do. Read your Bible. <laughs> got a word for me? Go to church. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are the sum product of your thought life. Today's thoughts will be your tomorrow's realities. You don't need a prophet. You don't need a clairvoyant. You don't need to get a psychic reader. All you've got to do is be aware of your thoughts because that is what's going to turn up in your life and your future. As a man thinks in his heart. Now, here's the good news. If you ain't thinking the right stuff, the good news is you can change the way you think and you can change your future reality. Amen. You're not a victim of your thought life because God's given us the power to renew our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say be deconformed by the removing of your mind. It says be transformed by the renewing. You can change your thought life. The best book I've ever read, other than the Bible, about this is by Casey Treat. And he talks about renewing the mind. It's probably the, one of the most single books that has had the longest, most ongoing impact in my life about the power of renewing your mind. 
Who's ever gotten on a train? Everybody ever, who's ever gotten on a wrong train? Everybody ever gotten a wrong train? No one has ever got, you've gotten on a wrong, I've gotten on some, boy, have I gotten on some wrong trains. Sometimes you've gotten on those, you know, the express trains that go for an hour before they stop again. And I realized as soon as I left the station, oh no. Or what's even worse, I think, is when you get on one of those trains that you think, like I go to New York, I go to, to um, not Shea Stadium now, it's called Cityfield. You get the number seven train and there's two options. There's a circle train and a diamond train. The circle train, number seven, is going to stop at every train station all the way out to the baseball stadium. You don't want to get on that train because it will take you over an hour to get there. But if you get on the diamond train, you'll be there in 15, 20 minutes. I can't tell you how many times I got on what I thought to be a diamond train, but actually was a circle train. You say, how can you do that when it's so obvious, a circle and a diamond? I honestly don't know, <laughs> but I've done it. And it takes forever. And every stop at every train station reminds you, you got on the wrong train. But every train has a destination. Who's ever heard that train of thought? You don't want to get on that train of thought because I want to tell you, if you have some train of thought that is negative, depressed, and fearful, and you get on that train, you're going to end up there. You've got to make sure you understand God's given you the power of choice and you choose your thoughts. You say, how do I choose my thoughts? By what you watch, by what you look at, by what you read, by who you listen to. Come on, somebody. Don't get on the wrong train. Today's thoughts are tomorrow's realities. Here's number three. This is kind of like the first one. You ready for this one? This is another person I think got a tattoo on this one. Values determine behavior. Values determine behavior. Whatever it is that you and I value, we are making choices based on our values. Steve, pray for me. My kids aren't in church. Bring up a child in the way you didn't value church, in a way that your kids Embrace that. I'm not shaming you. Please, I will pray for any child to come back to Christ. But I see people blame the church, but I watched how they raised them. And it's the church's fault. And sometimes, what a, sometimes church doesn't do things right, including this church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. If you came to this church thinking, I'm looking for the perfect church, I'll, I want to tell you, there is not one single person in the building. Can anybody, including the guy on the stage here. Amen? But we do understand God's given us the power of choice. We can change our life by changing our thoughts. Amen? And I, I want you to catch this now, because values determine behavior. Your eating habits, your marriage, your healthy life, your love for God's house, your, 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 your ability to identify a bad habit and to break a bad habit. I wonder what bad habits we might want to break in 2024 that we just want to leave behind in 2023. Can somebody say amen? What, 
do you value? Not your words, but your actions. Amen? Here's the fourth thought. Ready for this one? This one is massive to me. Some people think all I need is more discipline. If, I mean, I know the choices I need to make, but I just need more discipline. Well, I want to put it to you this way. You don't need more discipline. You need more vision. Discipline is a byproduct of vision. If I just had more discipline, then I would do the things that I want to do. I'd achieve my New Year's resolutions. I would accomplish and see fulfillment of my choices. It's not more discipline. We think if we just work on our selves and just get more discipline and more diligent. But the Bible says without a vision, people perish. Amen? And because of vision, you wear the restraint of the vision. And how clear and compelling and powerful and real that vision is will determine how well you wear the restraint of that vision. Many years ago, Sharon and I decided we were going to believe God to get rid of all of our debts, except I think just the house mortgage on the house. And we got, you know, credit cards and all the rest of it. And we had other, you know, we, we kind of decided we're going to pay cash for our toys for now on. So we're going to get rid of credit cards and we still have some credit cards and we use them and all the rest of it. But we just didn't want to be any debt in our lives other than a house. And so I remember trying to convince Sharon when we said, we're going to pay cash for anything we want for now on, we're going to pay cash for it. And so I said, um, you know, uh, that's it. We'll save up cash for things. We'll pay off these other debts and we'll pay cash for everything else. At the time we had a debt on the boat and we paid the, the debt on the boat off and a few other bits and pieces, a few toys, a few motorcycles, and we paid them off. But then this opportunity came for me to buy this beautiful motorcycle that I hadn't yet saved any cash for. The motorcycle was worth $40,000, and somebody was going to sell it to little old me for $20,000. It was a chopper. It was an extended rate form chopper. It had the best paint job I'd ever seen. It had a 300 wide tire on the back. It had a Springer front end. It was drop dead gorgeous. And I said to Sharon, honey, we're going to go into debt for this. And she goes, no, we had an agreement for now on. We're going to pay cash for these. I said, but honey, we're not really going into debt. We're actually getting an asset of $20,000. It's amazing how spiritual the flesh can sound. And I remember I nagged her. And how many know I could nag? How many know I could be persuasive? And, and I did everything. But she is the strongest, most determined, stubborn. And she kept saying, no, we had an agreement on vision. And you said that we're going to wear the restraints of the vision. I hate it when she uses my sermons against me. I did everything. Finally, she goes, all right, buy the stupid motorcycle. I've had enough of your nagging. But don't ever preach to me about a faith goal ever again. Well, I had to wear 
the restraint of the vision. It's not more discipline. It's more vision. When that vision is clear and it's compelling, we think if we just get more discipline, I'd go to the gym, I'd get up early, I'd pray more. No, no, it's more vision of what you want to be in your future. Come on, somebody say amen. Here's my last thought. Is this helping anybody? Just trying to launch into a new year with understanding. Hey, come on, everybody's got the freedom of choice, but nobody has the freedom of consequences. Come on, and God's given us the power of choice. It's not too hard. It's not all in heaven. It's not all in hell. It's, it's what we do every day, how we live our lives. Here's the last thought. You ready for this one? I like this one. And I've said this, if you've been a part of Wave Church, you will probably roll your eyes, but you need to hear it. You create the world you live in with the words you speak. I, I, I don't understand I go up to some people, hey man, how's your job? Not too bad. What kind of an answer is not too bad? I'm just paying the bills, just getting by, just making a living. Well, you choose the world you live in by the words you speak. How's your marriage? Ah, oh, she's all right. Had a guy tell me one time, I'm leaving my wife. I said, why? Oh, don't get me wrong. She's a good woman. I mean, she cooks, she cleans. I mean, she makes the kids lunch every day. They go off to school and and she makes me lunch. I have a packed lunch every day and she takes care of the house. She's, she's, She's a good woman. I said, why are you leaving her? And he goes, well, you know, it's, it's just not happening in the bedroom anymore like it used to, it's just not the same. And I looked at him and said, no wonder, man, the way you describe your wife to me, she cooks, she cleans, she makes your lunch. Your wife, you've turned her into your mother. (laughs) That's not a good thought right there. (laughs) Come on. You create. You got to make sure your words are taking you to where you want to go. There's a there's a TV, there's a movie. It's called The Castle. It's a very funny movie about these Australians in Australia. If you want to get to know Australian humor, watch this movie. It's very funny. I'm trying. I'm hoping now there's nothing bad in the movie. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Um, but it's this guy talks to his wife and he always says, "Oh, honey." what you make tonight it's just amazing with this very Australian accent even more Australian than I sound and she goes what's well, just meat, meatloaf love but babe it's it's what you've done with it it's just incredible I'm telling you I think some of us could learn to be like the guy from the castle and just thank God for our spouse and find positive things to say because we create the world we live in I remember yesterday, um, Alyssa, our daughter, was walking out of the cheerleading competition and this was another parent from another cheer squad, not part of Wave Cheer. And one of the parents was saying, I'm so angry. I want to go and demand that the judges hand in their cards because I think that other team shouldn't have won. I think we should have won. I'm so angry. 
And I thought, what a shame that mother is going to pass on that victim mentality to that child. Come on, we create the world we live in with the words we speak. What you repeatedly hear, you will eventually believe. Can anybody say it? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. John 16, John 6, I'm closing. Verse 63, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Jesus said, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit, listen to this, and life. I want you in 2024 to make a choice. Your words will be spirit words. Your words will be life words. You're not gonna let come out of your mouth, you'll never change. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never buy a house. I'll never get married. Come on, somebody. I'll never get out of this anxiety, this fear, this depression. I'll never not be lonely. I want you to have spirit words. Come on. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, and I'm closing. My last verse. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, because remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. A good man, out of the good treasure in his heart, watch, brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the mouth, his heart speaks. Good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. I know he robbed the bank, but he's a good man. There's hope for anyone who's ever robbed the bank. Amen. But we got to be willing to make the change. I know he committed adultery, but he's a good man. Or she, no, no, good man out of the good treasure. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Could we maybe make some choices in 2024? Amen. God's given you the power of words. God said when he made the earth, let there be light. Do you know that was depending on your determination of the genealogy of the Bible. That was probably six to 8,000 years ago. Let there be light. Four words that God spoke six to 8,000 years ago, depending on your, whether you're a pre-edemic raised person, a gap theorist, but let's just take it literal from Genesis and the genealogy, that means the earth is six to 8,000 years old. I'm of that persuasion, by the way, if you're wondering where I sit. You can think whatever you want. But that's what I kind of think. You got it? And God just said, let there be, and the sun has never once stopped shining. And I want to say to you today, what God speaks into your life is permanent and it's lasting, and it doesn't change. Amen? Because God said, let there be light. Now, I want you to catch this. How many believe what God says is permanent and lasting? But then God says, now I'm giving you the power of words. And you now create the world you live in. 
Your words can be permanent and lasting. Let's make sure they're spirit words and they're life words. Do you receive the word? Give a lot of hand. Come on.